I'm Rosanna Gill, and this is the Her Path to Purpose podcast, a podcast for every woman who has ever asked, is this it? You'll hear from women who have had the audacity to ask that exact question and share what their journeys to define and pursue more for their lives look like. This podcast will open your eyes to the infinite possibilities available to you and prepare you to forge your own path to purpose. Get ready for the career day you never knew you needed. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Her Path to Purpose podcast. I am your host, Rosanna Gill. I am so excited for you to come back for another solo episode where I will be talking about how you were not raised for this. And this can be anything about your success, what you want in life, how to succeed in life. But you were absolutely born for it. So pretty excited to talk about this. I've been watching a few different seminars and doing some training and it really got me thinking about this. And it's been something I've been mulling over for a couple weeks. So super excited to talk about this whole concept of not being raised for something, but still being born for it. Now, before I get into today's topic, I wanted to first let you know about our partner for the podcast. And that is Shop 7 Degrees. So if you are a long-time listener of the podcast, by long-term or long-time, I mean if you have listened to the other nine episodes, <laughs> then you know that our partner, Shop 7 Degrees, is run by a woman. It is a woman-owned business, and the owner, Shira, started with sweatshirts, and she has since branched um, branched out to joggers and bags and you know other types of clothing. But I really was excited to partner with them because I really love the sweatshirts. I actually have one of the sweatshirts. I have a link to the reel I made comparing typical sweatshirts with a Shop 7 Degrees sweatshirt that you will see in the episode notes. Mainly being that the main difference being that these sweatshirts are meant to flatter a woman's body. And by flatter, I mean you don't look like you gained 10 pounds when you put the sweatshirt on. The fabrics are fun. The patterns are fun and vibrant. The torsos of the sweatshirts are longer than a lot of sweatshirts tend to be. The bottom of the sweatshirt at the hip actually tends to flare out as opposed to most sweatshirts, which actually cinch in at the hip, which if you have hips and you got a booty, that means you then have to push your sweatshirt up the, the, the cinch part above your hip and your booty. And then that makes the top part billow out. So you just end up looking basically like an apple with legs. And I don't like that look. That's not what I look like. So I really like shop seven degree sweatshirts and really love the brand. And I also love that in supporting that business, you can also support her path to purpose because if you use the code her path on any order from shop seven degrees online, the link to which their website is in the show notes, then you will get $10 off your order. What, what? So you get to support a woman owned business and a woman owned podcast at the same darn time. Now, if that isn't winning, I don't know what is. So with that, let's jump into this episode. I have had the idea for this episode for a little while because, well, quite frankly, I started thinking about how I really wasn't raised to be an entrepreneur. I was raised 
as I think a lot of my friends were really, to be a good girl, to do all the things I was told, to get good grades, listen to authority, get a good job, stay at that job, work really, really, really hard, and hope that it all works out. And hopefully at some point I'll make enough that I can take a couple vacations a year. For the record, I am not saying that was wrong. It's just not the life that I decided I wanted to live. The problem was in being raised that way, in being raised to always seek validation and trust from others, it made it very hard to trust myself. In the studying that I have been doing about trauma, about you know things like people-pleasing and boundaries, all these things that I've been studying for the last year, it's interesting to me how much of these responses that we have, that we develop as children so that we can you know, appease our parents, our teachers, our communities at a young age. But then we don't learn that some of those habits, some of those coping mechanisms, some of those things that we learn no longer serve us as adults, especially if you want to do something outside of the norm, outside of the life and the path, anything outside of the path that you have been raised to go down. And it makes it very difficult to really know what you actually want because you've always just gone along with what you've been told. And, you know, I have definitely talked, I I know I did in Breaking Labels about trauma. And I think sometimes when I talk about trauma, people really get, not get turned off, but they assume that it doesn't apply to them. Because a lot of times people are only thinking of big T trauma when they think of trauma, which are major events like, you know, physical abuse, sexual abuse, divorce, which by the way, I think a lot of people would assume is small T trauma, but it is actually considered big T trauma, loss of a parent, you know, things like that, you know, losing a family member in in something like 9-11, that would be considered big T trauma. But what we fail to understand and realize, there's also small T trauma. And that's the day-to-day impacts of maybe not being emotionally seen or held as a child, not feeling loved. Now, here's the thing. And I I had a conversation with someone about this when I was home for two weeks. My parents' generation, well, my parents are a little bit older, so they're boomers. I think they're considered boomers. But for them, love was shown by providing. Like, you don't need me to tell you I love you. You don't need me to make you see you to feel seen and heard if you have food on the table and a roof over your head. That is love, right? And I think that their parents felt the same way because as each generation hopefully is progressing in, in life, you know, you're able to provide more for your children. Not always, but ideally that's the track or the, the evolution that people hope for their families and their lineage The thing, though, is people still, regardless of what generation you were born into, have a need to be seen and heard. That is inherent. If you want to go all the way back to caveman times, that's why people lived in tribes. Like, you know, that saying, it takes a village to raise a child. It's because villages did. Like, it wasn't on one person 
to do all of the raising. It wasn't expected that one family could single-handedly raise child or children because oftentimes they had larger families. But somehow, and people moving to the suburbs and people kind of moving away from living in tribes and and instead living in more of manufactured communities, that was lost. The village feeling was lost. And the entire emotional support system of a village was reduced to one at best two parents. And if you were you were raised by a family that was very close knit and you had aunts and uncles and grandparents nearby, then you kind of had more of that tribe aspect. You had more of that traditional community aspect. But if you didn't, if well, I'll just use a personal example, if you were like my family and your family had no family near you, you were kind of an island on your own. So if your parents were so overwhelmed by what they had not received and what they were not able to receive as adults, they couldn't give certain things. They also didn't have the tools or the understanding that we do. It's so sad to me to look at older generations and see just what they didn't have and what they had to make do with. Now, I can acknowledge what my parents and their parents' generations didn't have and say, gosh, you know, they didn't have a choice. They didn't have all these things that now it's like, well, of course you you want to allow a child to cry. Of course you want to allow them to feel their emotions. They didn't have the bandwidth for that. Because, you know, my grandparents were dealing with things like the, the World War, you know, like Meatless Mondays, you know, Fish Fridays, whatever they had during the World War, the Great Depression, right? So things have changed so much. But I can still look at what they didn't have And instead of beating myself up and saying, well, look what they were able to accomplish without any of that, I can instead say, but I want more for that. I want more than that. And regardless of what my parents were able to deal with and cope with and move beyond, I still can ask for more and I can still desire more. And the fact of the matter is, I look around myself and I see so many people who have had to deny their own emotional needs for so long that they don't even know how to discern what is a genuine need versus what's a nice to have. What is something that they truly need to cope with life versus what is them asking too much or what is them being too sensitive or too woo-woo. And here's the thing. You know, we are brilliant creatures. We adapt to whatever situation we're in. So if you were you lived in a family where there was consistent small t trauma being inflicted every day, maybe you had a parent that was dealing with mental illness or addiction, or you had a single parent who had to work three jobs to support you so they were never there. They could have loved you with every ounce that they had, but they had so few ounces to give after all of those jobs that they worked to provide and put food on the table. It's okay to acknowledge that your parents did the best they did, they could, and you still didn't have what you needed emotionally. That doesn't make them bad. That doesn't make them bad at all. But it also doesn't make you wrong for having needed that. And I encourage you to look at maybe what are some of the things that you did to adapt in lieu of getting that emotional support, in lieu of getting the the emotional needs met. You know, there are different patterns that people often take on. Some people are helpers. So they make other need, other people's needs more important than their own, defining their self-worth by 
what they do for other people. And they give and give and give and give to others because they wish someone would give it to them. They hope and wish so badly that they could receive it. And oftentimes that's how you end up with people who are so bitter. Like they give and give and give and give and they get nothing in return. They're surrounded by people who are happy, mind you, to receive all of that they're giving, but not necessarily to reciprocate. And you feel empty. You feel drained. You feel worn out. Sometimes you get bitter because you think, God, I've given so much and you've given so little back. But maybe you don't even know how to ask for what you want. Maybe you've been conditioned for so long to give and give and give and to go above and beyond that you don't even know what you need. And it's okay to not know. But you deserve to be able to learn what you need and to ask for what you need. So that's one pattern. Maybe another pattern is an achiever pattern. You define yourself by your and your worth by how you show up in the world. The world isn't safe unless you don't have more, unless you aren't getting more accolades, unless you aren't being acknowledged for all of your hard work. You there, Oftentimes, this high, high achieving, constant achieving personality, this pattern is driven by a sense of not being lovable as you are. And here's the thing. If you have these patterns and you had something like a critical parent, which is pretty common, I, I, it's amazing to me how many women I know who had critical mothers. And you just, you learned, you learned that the more you achieve, the more attention you would get. And that was as close as you could get to love. Certainly not unconditional love, but love no less. But how do you turn that off? How do you, someone who has always gotten the love and attention that they needed. And by the way, this isn't, that doesn't make you needy. That just makes you human. But how do you turn that need off? How do you instead show up for yourself? It takes a fair amount of self-discovery. And it's also how you see people, why you see people who are constantly achieving, but they're never happy. Because at some point, they're going to realize that regardless of the accolades, regardless of the raise, regardless of the promotions, regardless of the titles, none of that can take the place of loving yourself. But again, if you had no example of loving yourself, how are you supposed to figure it out? How are you supposed to know how to do that? What's another page? Oh, oh, perfectionist. Now, I have talked about this one a couple times. This is somebody who feels safe in the world defining and doing things right. Like, I am worthy of love because I am perfect. Now, the problem being, of course, that nobody is perfect. So those perfectionists also tend to be incredibly brutally, incredibly brutal to themselves. Not doing what they want to do in life, not pursuing things that they really would love to pursue because they can't do it perfectly. And if they can't do it perfectly, then who are they in this world? They are not safe unless they are perfect. That could have come from, you know, a a household where the only time they were seen and hurt or heard by their parents was if they made good grades or if they did well in sports. That was the only way for them to guarantee that they were going to get something that felt like love. Or maybe they, again, had maybe they had a hypercritical parent who also had this same pattern that they had been taught. And they're passing it down to their own child because they don't know how to love unconditionally because they were never shown. 
They didn't know how to love their child just by being, just for being a child, just be for, by being their, you know, beautifully imperfect self because they didn't have that. That wasn't a possibility. There's also a, a pattern, um, an anxious pattern, where basically you try to think your way to feeling safe, which unfortunately never really works. And this is where you get a lot of people who kind of snowball in their thought patterns, right? Like, you know, I, I feel anxious. Well, why do I feel anxious? What is it that's making me anxious? As opposed to maybe working on different um, somatic releases for their anxiety, like like I shared in the lap- last episode, tapping, breath work, crying shaking, dancing, running, exercising, yoga, anything like that. Those are all somatic releases that can be far more effective than the thinking anxiety pattern, which sometimes just means people go go down a horrific spiral. But regardless of those types of patterns, whether it's anxiety, perfectionist, helper, the overachiever, at the end of the day, they all come down to self-esteem and safety issues. And I, any of those patterns resonated with you, then I would, I can almost guarantee that it comes down to self-esteem and safety. So can you see then how, despite everybody's best efforts, despite having the most loving, wonderful parents, people who tried, people who provided for you, who did everything that they could to give you a better life, it's okay that you are not raised to know how to listen to yourself. It's okay that you were not raised to trust yourself because your beautiful mind adapted to keep you safe the best way it could. And now there's constant misfirings happening. So even though, like, and I've talked about this in previous episodes, you know, with my conversation with Natasha, you know, you might know very well that you deserve a raise. But if you are a perpetual people pleaser, if you are a perpetual achiever who doesn't feel like you or excuse me, or you are a perfectionist who doesn't feel like you have done your job perfectly, it is going to be incredibly difficult to negotiate a raise because at some level there is a part of you that doesn't feel like you deserve it. So and not to say that I don't appreciate all the myriad of strategies and mindset te- mindset techniques. I do. I love all that. But I also think there has to be something that's more than just mindset. There has to be something more than a script that you say because you can say the words. But the vast majority, 90% of what we communicate is not through our words. It is through our tone. It is through our face. It is through our physical. And it's through all these other things beyond just the words that we say. So, of course, it would be difficult for you to advocate for yourself. You know, I, I, I was talking to some high school students last week, and um, I was very lucky that I was able to talk to them about some pretty tough grown-up conversations that, I'll be honest, I wasn't sure how they would respond, but I talked to them about what it was like as a mixed woman to experience racism or to hear and see racism in the flesh and blood. And also to feel like I had no voice or nothing that I could say against it. I told them what it was like to be sexually harassed and to not know what was in my right, but instead to go out to my car afterwards and wonder what I had done to bring that onto myself and how it was my fault. And I remember talking to other women 
about the sexual harassment or other people about the things that I heard. And it's so interesting when people, you know, oversimplify things because they're thinking, of course, they're thinking it from their perspective. Well, just say this or you just do that. And I used to beat myself up so badly for the ways that I hadn't stood up for myself, for the ways that I had stayed quiet. But I got to be honest, I wasn't raised to stand up for myself. I figured out really early that if I was a good girl and I did exactly as I was told and I was polite and sweet as a pie, I would get love and attention. I would get something close to what I needed emotionally. So to all of a sudden go from that to arguing with someone, to argue specifically arguing with somebody that I felt had some level of authority over me, I'm sorry, but... You cannot compare somebody who has been taught all their lives that they have to give and give and give and give and they have believed that they have to give and give and give and give all their lives. You you don't just tell them to just go stand up for themselves. It's not that simple. Their brain is is wired differently. And if we can understand the reasons that we do the things that we do, what it allows us to forgive ourselves. Like I can look at myself 10 years ago 15 years ago when I started my career and I have so much grace and I have so much love for myself. And I could say, this wasn't because I was a scaredy cat. This wasn't because I wasn't courageous enough or woke enough. It was because I hadn't learned what habits I was allowing to drive me in my everyday life that I had picked up as a child. Simple as that. But to bring this around to what I said at the beginning, just because I wasn't raised like that, I was born with that ability. I was born with the ability to stand up for myself and speak my worth. How else would I have learned not to do so in order to be safe? We are all born believing that we are magnificent. That. Everything that we want is possible. I mean, that's the beauty of children is, I mean, that you ask them what they can be and there's never a thought of what is quote unquote possible. The beauty of children and one of my favorite things about children is they don't give a rat's you know what about race until they're taught by well-meaning and you can't see me, but I'm doing quotes on that well-meaning adults who want to inform their decisions and form their prejudices. Children are not born that way. You weren't born making yourself smaller. Now, you might have learned it at such a tiny age that you don't even remember. You might have learned that at three years old. You might have learned that crying and asking for what you needed got you even less. Maybe, maybe you were raised in a household where if you cried, somebody said, I'm going to give you something to cry about. Ergo, you learned your emotions were not safe. It was not okay to have emotions. Your emotions were something that you swallowed till it wasn't there anymore. You just contained it all, but you did not show it. Maybe you were in, you were raised in a household that said, you know, there are certain things that we just don't talk about outside of the house. The house could be burning, but we do not share these things. We put on a facade and your role as part of this household is to maintain that facade. And even if you feel 
like something is wrong about this or that you're sad or that this isn't a good situation, you don't talk about it because we have to maintain this facade. Is it really any wonder that as an adult, you might have difficulty extracting what you truly believe from what you have agreed to to keep others happy? No. So maybe instead of beating yourself up in whatever you are struggling through right now, whether it's staying disciplined, whether it's, well, I should say, whether it's feeling disciplined in whatever goal you set, maybe it's asking for something that you want in a relationship. Maybe it's walking away from a relationship that no longer serves you. And that relationship could be something with a family member. That could be a romantic partner. That could be a friendship. That could be a professional relationship. Where is your time to rest in all this? And side note, you using that day of rest to run a whole bunch of errands and take care of all the stuff you can't get to being you are serving everybody else is not a day of rest, my friend. That's a day of errands. Not the same thing. Unless, now this is the caveat because I do have a lot of friends who are moms. Unless you love running errands because you run those errands while somebody else stays with the children and you get to blare your music and you get to treat yourself to some Starbucks and that. Okay. All right. Do you boo boo. You rest however way you want. But if it feels like an obligation, if it feels heavy, if it feels like something that exhausts you, then it is not and it cannot be rest. It just can't. So that is my soapbox for this week. You may not have been raised for what you want and what the next level or step is in your life, but you were born for it. You were absolutely born for it. So I hope, consider the patterns that I went through, consider big trauma, big T trauma versus small T trauma, and ask yourself, what are beliefs that I am holding onto that no longer serve me? And we're merely conditioning that my beautiful brain adapted to so I could receive what I needed to as a child. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a written review or you can reach out to me, email me. My email is rosanagillpr at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And also, I am considering hosting an actual workshop that goes into these patterns, that goes into how to move past some of these beliefs. So if you are interested in that, then reach out to me, email me, say, yes, I would, I'm would. i interested in it, probably going to be in a month or so, but let me know if you're interested and I would love to hear from you. So with that, my email is, my email is linked in the show notes. So give your girl a holler and I can't wait to talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>